everybody. Welcome to Extra Squad Goals, the Extra Squadcast podcast. I'm Chris Mastalone. And I'm Chris Farantino. And there's no Ryan Harnity. Now he's, uh, he's off getting ready for a wedding that is in Massachusetts that Chris is also going to, but Ryan, I, 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 I'm just making stuff Two up. Two Five Films will be recording the videography at this wedding. Yeah. We're very excited. <laughs> Two Five Films is going to be on location. On location with Two Five. It's just me. It's just, I'll be there. <laughs> Two Five Films on location at the party. <laughs> <laughs> that was a live sound effect that was i i literally had to vamp for a second to get that open on my iphone and just like play it into the mic oh, um i love that you have that yeah yeah it, it comes in handy especially if you plug your phone into a car's like speakers you know and you just drop a party reference and just hit that a couple of times sure you might scare people but it's it's worth it for the effect um anyway we are here we're talking about Episode 21 of the second season of ExoSquad, No Surrender. Um, this episode was written by Mark Edens, Francis Moss, and Ted Peterson. They also wrote The Pirate's Ransom. They also wrote The First Step and Behind the Shield. So these guys are the ones that usually get the really uh, really heavy World War II-y kind of intense ones, which is kind of a, a through line with them, which is something I didn't realize until, you know, kind of watching this one and it's super world war ii oh very much so it's maybe the most overt you know world war ii reference no maybe yeah definitely definitely it actually is yeah let's say that without getting into too heavy stuff uh what'd you think of this one chris um i liked it i thought it was um well done i liked all the references i liked kind of the battle i liked that the um the Beastie Boys were a lesser <laughs> part of it, even though they were still involved. Um, there's some points here or there that I think are kind of interesting, but um, overall, yeah, I thought, it was, I thought it was pretty good. There were some things I liked a lot in it, and I think it's sort of back on, back on track as the adult drama that I kind of have come to know and love. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'd like everything you said and then some. Like, It was really nice to see them kind of bring kind of some of the neo sapien generals general i should say back into the fold so we have like someone on the other side that's not just snarling and clamping their claws together or flying and dropping mines on things like i thought that was a really good move and uh you know like the history stuff is great we get some cool character moments and we even get a new zoo crew beastie boy member so <laughs> but i think yeah i it, think what you what you lose with those guys though is like intention and like um animus like there's no they don't, they don't have an agenda so it's actually nice to see the guys that do an agenda you know come back to the show so you know like oh yeah this is your you're just fighting against mindless creatures you're fighting against like an agenda yeah exactly like there's so you know our our basic villain setup for this episode is that like well we'll we'll just run through it real quick and then uh run through it oh yeah gonna take a lap um <laughs> take it a lap running through it yeah. run, 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 run through take a lap yeah run it off walk it off anyway so basically we picked it we we actually kind of pre-lapped the end of the uh the last episode so in the last episode marsala was going to take napier and fly off into the wild blue yonder and save him so we actually get the neo sapien side of the equation but like five minutes before that. And it turns out that Shiva's there with his buddy. 
Uh, they have a whole huge army. They got tanks on the high ground. You know, it's not worth it, Anakin. And they're just like, <laughs> that's all I could think of when I saw it. I'm like, he's got the high ground. Oh, why, why is it not worth it? I'm standing over here. Yeah, you can leap very high, but I have the high ground. For all the magic in this universe, the position of us standing is very important. And, oh, okay, they were, just to back up a second, they were fighting on, like, flying mine robot things, like, five minutes ago. And they had the high, he had the high ground many times before. Um, I'm just saying it didn't matter that much. No, it's like a weirdly, like, staunch... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> tactical <laughs> belief in a in a movie that has none like <laughs> yeah it's not like the you know the cavalry is charging down from the high ground that's like no i'm five feet above you it's like oh okay you know this this is the thing this is the equation you're gonna cut all my limbs off yeah cool. they were on a ship that crashed into a planet and survived <laughs> fine <laughs> <laughs> No scratch on him and he's like well i'm two feet above you so to jump at me would be insane yeah are you mad like i'm with anakin on that one i think i i buy that he thinks that it would work given yeah, it was since happened and and let's be honest there's nothing in those movies that makes you think obi-wan really could pull that off like let's be honest like he's much more he's, of an administrative personality yeah he's secretary jedi um <laughs> I've been He's like here the 35 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Company man. My spreadsheets are immaculate. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, so, so the, uh, the Neo sapiens have the high ground and they're basically ready to blast the place. Um, you know, Marsala and Napier are in the, uh, the heavy E frame and they're using stealth mode to, uh, sneak out past enemy lines. And Marsala notices, that it's General Shiva on the scene, and he's like, Phaeton sends his best general to destroy the resistance. Mr. Tyree should feel honored. Which kind of raises the question, if Shiva's the best general, who's the worst? Because Shiva's not that great. So, you know. Um, I mean, he's not Typhonus, but... Typhonus probably was the worst. Even though, yeah. like, I don't think any of them were that bad. They're just playing. They just... The show couldn't let them have been good. You know? Yeah. Well, it, it kind of makes me wish for, like, one moment where there's, like, you see their brilliance aside from them just, like, rolling over, you know, an unprepared Earth defense force or whatever, or, you know, they, they just never really have a good moment. Um, sure. Like, why are these guys the generals? And Yeah. The other people aren't. Like, they don't look older, particularly, you know? Yeah, I mean, Shiva is literally just, like, a giant mass of muscle. But, you know, like, Typhonus, it's like... He again, he reeked of just incompetence at every turn. It's like, why is he still your general? But I mean, that's a that's a whole other can of worms. Uh, so anyway, they're walking past these lines and they see they have tanks and troops and lizard people and, you know, crab people and, you know, rocket dogs or something like that. And they, <laughs> they literally <laughs> I mean, at this point, nothing's off the table for the release the, the rocket dogs. Um, they're so cute in my head oh yeah little the little goggles and stuff oh man stop rocketeer dog (laughs) stop it's gotta be a little wiry like terrier thing yeah like a dash hound or something oh yeah well (laughs) you get put some fins on the back of that thing you got yourself a missile but (laughs) 
Um, yeah, so they're sneaking, they're sneaking, they're sneaking. A raptor literally walks into their gun and then spits at them. Then they just start lighting uh, lighting people up. They take off, they go to the Cossack, and they call for reinforcements. And it turns out that there's a pirate ship that's going to show up with a company of jump troops. I wonder who could it could be. Colleen O'Reilly. Hearty <laughs> tatar, it's Carly and O'Reilly. We're here. And what have you been doing? What have they been doing this whole time? You know, it's where were they? <laughs> I, there's part of me that's like, you know, the whole the whole show is about like combined arms and all that. So you, f- you sort of figure that if you're going to have jump troops on a ship, you're also going to have a sh- like a ship with like e frames or fighters with it, just for you know for cover because they got to like jump and not get shot out of the sky. Yes. So it's a little weird that they're just like hanging out alone in deep space, just relaxing. I'd like to yeah. I'd like to think in the expanded universe of this show that they're off like liberating asteroids or something, or there's some other yeah, job like, that they were doing. Or like on, yeah, ex- they're still cleaning up Venus or something. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Like they were en route from you know, asteroid outpost seventeen to you know, whatever. But uh <laughs> <laughs> so basically we you know marsala they get up there they call for reinforcements shiva's just like let's do it they know we're here we got to attack right now and phaeton gets on the horn and he's like marsh is in parliament house you will take him alive what that makes no sense it's illogical and they're like yeah phaeton doesn't care he doesn't care how many people die in the attack he wants this guy smash cut phaeton city Livia's hanging out with Phaeton, and he's like, she she actually, and I give the show so many props for this. She says, yo, what's the deal with you hating JT Marsh more than any other human? And this is when Phaeton reveals that he has the uh, auto-mutation disease. Haven't you noticed anything unusual about my appearance? No, Phaeton, I, I have not. You lie badly, Livia. That is why I trust you. See what Marsh has done to me. <gasps> Auto-mutation syndrome. There is no cure. Look! I just found it odd that she didn't know. Like, he started wearing a cloak and hiding his face. Yeah, and then And being she's like, so shocked by it. Yeah, well, he, she tries to lie, which is great. And it's like, do you notice anything weird about me? And she's like, no, Phaeton, I don't. <laughs> and he's like, uh, bullshit. I'm a monster man. But if, <laughs> like, if you were wearing a cloak <laughs> and then like two heads and you were like, anything different, Chris? I'd be like, yes. Yeah. Wearing... <laughs> Is that velvet? Yeah, you you look like a phantom of the opera. What's going on here? <laughs> uh, but so it you know turns out that when uh, when Phaeton took the plunge off of Olympus, Olympus Mons, he uh, that's when his uh, disease started. So he hates JT Marsh and he wants to torture him to death. Um, he also like kind of throws major shade on Livia because she's like, fuck it, I'll get him for you. Give me command of Australia. And she's like, I have given you command of Earth and made Shiva subordinate to you. I have given you great power, Livia. But even I cannot make you a good general. It's cold, man. It's cold. Yeah. So, you know. Cut back to uh, Shiva gets on the horn. And again, everyone can just call anyone because future. And he's like, yeah, they, it's an ultimate. It's sort of give us JT Marsh and the rest of you can go free. 
or we'll kill you all. Yeah, and then uh, they debate it for one minute. I don't know if it was actual time, but you know they debate it back and forth for a little bit. And uh, they get on the horn and Nick Tyree says... This is Nick Tyree, commander of the Australian resistance. The answer is nuts. So they do the, uh, the General McAuliffe at the Battle of the Bulge. That's right. When the, when the uh, Germans want him to surrender. And he apparently, like, because I was reading up on this... Mm-hmm. It wasn't like the super cool thing where he's like, you know, met with, you know, Admiral von Ludendorffberg and like looked him in the eyes and said, chomping out a cigar nuts. He literally like a guy was like, sir, sir, you need to wake up. The Germans have a, an offer of surrender. And he's like, what? They want to surrender. He's like, no, no, we should surrender us surrender. Oh, nuts. And he had no idea what to write back. And his guy's like, well, that was kind of funny. So that's where it came from. They just printed it on a big page and gave it to the general <laughs> and but the funniest thing is if you can go on the uh official army history for this because they go into great detail about how the germans didn't quite understand what this meant like they're like nuts and they're like yeah nuts it's pronounced like, nutsy yeah <laughs> it's like yeah you guys no but and they're like what's it mean and they're like uh it's bad like how bad like, go to hell? Yeah, like, worse, maybe. I don't know. And they just keep going back and forth about this. And it's, like, recorded in both sides' journals. And it's it's really kind of funny. Um, aside from the whole war zone thing. So, Shiva, when he hears about them nuts. Yo, Shiva, you seen him? These nuts. <laughs> These nuts. <laughs> um, he freaks out and he's just like, fuck it. Let's attack. But he... What's he do, Chris? He puts them warrior the zoo crew up front in the attack to get killed to save his uh the actual neo sapiens but he wants every extra trooper taken alive so what do you think about this is like basically the first half of the episode how are you feeling about it i have a couple of observations if you want to get into that a couple of observations of the first half uh marcella and uh and napier walk, walk around in the really loud e-frame cloaked for way too long they should just fly just, yeah. f- just fly. Just fly away. <laughs> I mean, I'm not mad about it, but it's just sort of like, just... And then and then there's a line where Marcella's like, um, you know what I can do? I can outfly them. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just do that from the beginning. Um, yeah, and, and there are like three or four scenes where it's like, you know, a sentry's like, what is that noise? And then, you know, the uh, zoo crew's all like looking around, like they hear them, they can smell them. But yeah, they should have just taken off like ASAP, um, or just you know walked in a straight line. Um, but okay, so it turns out the jump troops are going to be there in six hours, so th- they have to hold out in Parliament House under siege from monster men and neo sapiens and artillery for six hours. Um, meanwhile, Maggie, Alec, and uh, and Danny recover her E frame from the barn fire, so apparently she didn't really need to abandon it because it just. You know, it's still there and it works totally fine. Um, she rips the windshield out, which is awesome. Which is pretty badass. And yeah, she's it's pretty like, badass. Yeah. Um, and then Danny is like... Hey, don't mention it, mate. If you see my brother George with the resistance, tell him Danny says goodbye. We'll tell him. See you around, Danny. And you're like, oh, that's cute. So, you know, Deleon jumps on top of the frame. Maggie, they fly away. 
and a immediately <laughs> and i love this. this is my favorite moment in the episode the uh the rhino the uh the rock steadies uh-huh. or was it bebop it's rock city right i think it's rock city bebop was the the pig man right pig man. yeah yeah the warthog with the, with the cool glasses um uh it's a warthog <laughs> um yeah, they, they knock down this big door, Parliament House. A scorpion, you know, Neo-Sapien warrior jumps on Marsh's frame, smacks some, you know, random dude who's been in the background this whole time uh, to the side. They shoot the scorpion, and then that random dude gets grabbed by a crab guy and dragged off screaming. And Tyree looks at him and just goes, George! You can't help him, Tyree! In the span of like 30 seconds, we reestablish George and then have him killed horribly. Can I say something about that moment? Yeah. So um, George is in the episode earlier, but we don't know his name. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when she even makes the offer to um, just take JT alive and they can all go free, um, <laughs> George is the one who's like, look, if look, they'll kill us all if we don't send him. If we send him, there's a chance we might escape, which is very logical. Yeah. And JT's like, well, yeah, but if you send me, they're just going to come and kill you anyway. So he's sort of, George is sort of on the side of getting JT out of there. And it's JT who then says, we can't save him, it's too late. And as he gets (laughs) taken off. So I'm thinking like JT was like, yeah, you try to get rid of me? And he just sort of like did it on purpose. (laughs) He was totally savable. (laughs) And JT's like, no, you you tried to you tried to big dog me. Is- yeah, <laughs> there's like there's like a crab man slowly walking to the water, just He's like, taking his time. We can still get him. Like, they don't, he doesn't crush him. He just holds him really gently yeah. and then drowns. Him. <laughs> just- yeah, he just holds him over his head and then cannonballs to the water. And JT's like, nah, man, he's already gone. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing I we love can do. That. I can still see him. <laughs> no, it's too late, man. Yeah, he broke free. He's running back. No, 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 no. <laughs> He's already dead. Well, it's it's like um, it, it, an Empire Strikes Back when they uh, like they, they you know uh, Luke and his buddy uh, they crash the the snowspeeder. The the theory that his buddy's like still alive. He's like, oh Luke, you came to save me. This is great. And Luke just like basically takes his wallet and like a fucking grappling hook <laughs> and just lets him get crushed. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> <laughs> I could take on the whole empire myself. That's how I feel sometimes. Oh yeah. So um so you know, they actually they so they're getting overrun and they make a reference. Uh Torres is like Incoming run escape! How about your solar pulse, JT? Not enough power left. At least they explained why he didn't do it. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I was very happy about that. Even though I think it's a little silly, but I was like, oh, at least they explain why. Exactly. Which was kind of great. And, uh, you know, then again, it makes you think like maybe they should set one of the E-frames to blow or something. Um, Bronski was manning the walls and a beetle Neo-Sapien comes up through the floor again. <laughs> oh, the beetles. Yeah, I raising the beetles. The of, yeah, raising the question of what have they made and what have they made? Because it seems to change every week. Um you know, yeah, yeah. A mole man next time. It's, you know, and then he's like, oh, I hate lizards and bugs and starts like lobbing grenades. It's pretty great. Um, he's driving a cab. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's like, uh, 
but what's that guy from the New York Dolls that used to be in like every 80s movie as a cabbie? Like he's in Scrooge as a cabbie and like I think a couple other movies. Um, I don't know. If you saw him, you'd know. He's like, uh, you know, if Bobcat Goldthwait had an on-screen partner, it'd be him. Like they were, in, I feel like a lot of movies together or maybe just Scrooge. Um, anyway, so... There's this huge Neosapien force outside. The jump troops are like, let's do this. Napier comes with them. Um, they basically outflank the Neosapien force because they had set up this like giant kill zone around Parliament. So all their guns were pointing the wrong way. And they get, you know, they basically get rolled. Uh, they capture Shiva, who basically tells them to call off the attack because, uh, you know, he doesn't want to get killed. His buddy has a fucking like Wild Wild West like wrist gun that he uses to try to like lock Kalina Riley who sabotaged her E-frame so they can't escape. Karen fool, you will always be losers. Correction, you have lost. And uh Napier ends up taking him out. But uh yeah, you know, they uh they they sound the retreat horn. And yeah, Tyree. <laughs> yeah, it really is like a and it's that was a weird noise. Um, they basically steal Shiva's shuttle with him in it and evacuate all the resistance fighters to their camp. O'Reilly's like, Did you arrange all this just to see me again? Sure. I wanted our second date to be one you wouldn't forget. I bet you say that to everybody who saves your life. The very mention of like a date on this show or like that kind of thing is is like almost like sex. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They 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 did it. I was like, right oh there. my gosh, they're talking about cartoons talking about dating. I've never like when was the last time you heard a cartoon talk about like what that going on a date? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Having a relationship with someone that's like, you know. And it's it's good to see that she got over uh the uh his monster ex um yes. and her homicidal spree. Yes, already in her crazy mind fucker. Yeah. <laughs> um you know, they say to Shiva, like, you know, hey, you know, you can stay here with us, you know, and you can help us defeat the Neo-Sapiens. And he's like, I am a soldier. Right or wrong, Phaeton is my commander. And he walks off, and that's how the episode ends. Um, also, right before that, Tyree is talking to Napier, and his mouth turns white for a second, which is super disturbing. <laughs> I didn't see to take it, that. It, it's, it's really weird. Um... So yeah, what you think about the, uh, you know, thoughts on this this wild wild journey okay. we just went on? Some observations, notes, thoughts, comments, maybe yeah. some questions. Who knows? Um, when Napier, starting at the end where we just were, when Napier offers to save Shiva, Shiva's so snippy. He's like, <laughs> "I'm a soldier and I've got to go." Yeah, and it's like, "Well, thanks for nothing, guy." Um, <laughs> Let's see what, what just some random just some random things and then some big things. One, the Batman hates the Australian flag. Yeah, um, a lot. He he rips it out. <laughs> um, he's he's trying to he's trying to prove a point. There's a shot of all the p- people leaving the liberated Parliament House, and I'm pretty sure George is among them. <laughs> Yeah, I I feel like there's a George adjacent person, so yeah, this maybe is very, maybe he, maybe he's gonna get his revenge on JT JT Marsh like Kruger. This is very George yeah, George a George similar guy. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> what else? Do maybe I have? maybe it was just maybe it wasn't that George. It was it was like another George. That's his brother. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a line early on when JT's trying to send a message, but he can't, and he says, "I can't penetrate the Neo Sapien jamming." And I would just like to think that the way that they <laughs> block messages is that they have like a Dave Matthews style jam band or like a <laughs> just a bunch of dudes like stentors like growing his hair out. <laughs> it's, it's just a bunch of stentors having a talk show, just jamming. <laughs> just it's like the, it's like the Doof Warrior from Mad Max. He's just like a bunch. It's like we have the most elaborate speaker system. <laughs> the, They're all the Terrans are trying to send a message. Centaur, baseline, now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, damn, they got some fat licks. That's probably not I don't play an instrument. Um On the on the <laughs> on the on the bigger half of things, um I think that it's interesting the um this sort of obsession leads to bad decisions um Phaeton could have just killed them all but he's obsessed with getting Marsh alive and it leads to you know the Neo Sapiens losing that battle yeah. so, I, so I think that's an interesting like thematic thing um that came up I, so I thought that was sort of well well done and interesting and you know we've seen that like the heat might be my most famous example of that you know, um, Robert De Niro, spoiler alert, goes back to kill the guy he hates and uh, it costs him, you know, getting out scot-free. So I thought that was interesting. I thought the whole debate over, like, one man versus the group was kind of interesting. Yeah, they've been doing that a cup for a couple of episodes now, which I really like, is that, I think, and that kind of, I feel like, is ramping up for this final, you know, the final push to, like, you know, reclaim the uh, the homeworlds. Because, you know, it's sort of like, oh, now we're going from the, like, sort of like moving out of super personal stories into bigger stories. You know, broader strokes are going to come back to the uh, the story arc. Yeah. So, yeah, I just thought those were some, like, interesting uh, moments from the show. Um, yeah. I, do you have any you, big, big ideas? Yeah. So, so for me, it's, uh, again, you know, the issue of humanity and what makes someone human is like kind of a, a running theme in the season. And I love the fact that Shiva puts the monster men up, up front in the attack, basically being like, look, they're mindless raptor people with like just great abs. It's sort of with him thinking they, you know, they're not really, you know, if, if they get killed, it's like, Oh, you know, after the war, like, are they going to rejoin society not really they're gonna just be monster men it's like the neo sapiens that are behind them you know have a chance at life after being stentors and whatnot and <laughs> they I, wish I, it, it, yeah if their wildest dreams most famous neo sapien after phaeton um, <laughs> it's it's kind of cool that he's resentful of phaeton's like abominations but also he wants to save his own guys i uh, he, you know, he's appalled at the fact that so many people would die in the attack. That's basically just Phaeton's vanity project. To me, the way that they kind of show this is that when Tyree says nuts to him, he's like, what? And freaks out. When Colleen O'Reilly is like, surrender, or Napier, you know, eventually he's like, surrender. He just goes nuts right back at him, you know? And he's yeah. like, he's like, okay, we'll kill you. And he's like, uh, hold on a minute. 
you know? So I thought that was interesting, an interesting way of showing that he's more than just like, he's not the unthinking killing machine that the, the zoo crew is, you know, he's got something going on upstairs and, you know, he has a set of principles and morals and that makes him far more human than, you know, the, the, uh, the beastie boys or Kruger or any of these, like just, you know, blind hate monsters. So I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, no, I mean, we talked, we sort of talked about this a little bit before about that. We kind of don't hate, not outrightly against the zoo crew. It's just sort of that execution of that first episode. Really, I think it was the biggest problem because I think there is something interesting about them being mindless and about them completely lacking humanity and being devoid of it. And I think this this might be one of the better ones that features them. Um, again, I wish it was just a couple of them. And not like there's like, oh, now there's a beetle. Now there's a, 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 a New York talking cab driver. <laughs> hey, I, I can't keep the meter running all day. Crap, crap, crap. Claw, claw, claw. <laughs> Wolf. Did he bark? So is, is, is him grabbing George being like, I got to fill this cab one way or the other. And just yeah. like, where you going? To the beach? Chicago. Phaeton. You mean Phaeton City, sucker. Phaeton City. Um, so I thought that was interesting, you know, like the sort of the moralizing of like one person in the whole group versus the group is interesting. Um, the fact that there's only one female Neo Sapien. <laughs> yeah, like, still, right? I'm like, I kind of wish there were more. I, I really well, think there's that, the nerd. Be... There's the nurse in the fleet. Yes, but we don't really get to know her as a character. Yeah, she's just kind of. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's. It is interesting. It's very cool that they're kind of, I don't know, getting more into things. But like you said, you, well, I guess I'm just, I'm kind of hijacking your thing being like, I want to see more of that reaction. Cause I feel like that was what kind of get, one of our big things was we didn't have that perspective about how people are feeling about the monster men and all that. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we're seeing it now kind of, you know, gives you, it gives you perspective and it sort of puts them in like the hierarchy of the universe that we have. You know what I mean? If that makes any sense mm-hmm. where it's, you sort of have, you know, humans and the sapiens and this other thing. And because of that, we have this, like we have perspective on sort of the world after, you know, and it won't be great for the Neo Sapiens with these monster guys running around. And it's, you know, shows Phaetons going nuts and his generals are displeased. And, like a lot of the stuff we wanted is actually coming around, which is awesome. Yeah, I always thought you should figure out who, which of the Exo Squad should live and die based on their role afterwards. <laughs> you know, like when I was fantasizing about making an Exo Squad movie, I was like, well, Marsala needs to live because he needs to be the bridge between humans and Neo Sapiens. And, you know, yeah. Bronski doesn't. <laughs> Bronski doesn't do anything. <laughs> that, what Bronski needs to have that moment where he, like, you know, he big dogs the whole time. And then Takagi's like, oh, Bronski, you like to drink? I'm going to open up a bar after the war for all us veterans. And then he's like, yeah, kid, I'll drink at your bar all the time. And then Takagi, like, gets, I don't know, impaled by uh, Rhino's horn or something like that. <laughs> and then Bronski kills and it's like, oh, oh, man, I'll never just take things for granted again. I'll never drink again or something like that. Yeah, he changes. <laughs> what what color should we make Rocksteady's pants? Mm, red. Um, there's a part in this where a beetle comes up through a hole and Bronski shoots all of his missiles at it and then 
gets blown up himself. Yeah, I, I loved that where he's basically just like he hates something, he hates this thing so much that he's like, "Fuck it, <laughs> I don't care if I get blown up." <laughs> There's also a scene where a crab guy has the longest crab arm and is fighting Bronski. Oh, so. yeah, and he sort of does a sweet move with it. He like does like a, like a dance move. Yeah, <laughs> crab people, man, they can dance. It's like it's kind of their thing. I really um, want to see the moment where Bronski is as, like the fighter that we all think he's supposed to be. I'm I'm still waiting for it. He just seems like he's good at getting a high body count, but usually it's like the techs in the room. You know what I mean? He's like the guy at the beginning of Band of Brothers that like maybe kill some prisoners of war or not. Sure. But like over and over again. But yeah, it's I don't know. He'll have his moment, I think. Or something. No, for sure. It might be a DUI, but we'll see. <laughs> um um, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's it's cool. The, I will say one of the cool things is that I mean, aside from the, the time jump, where it's like they'll be here in six hours. Will they make it? Up, oh, six hours are up. Um, it's cool that we <laughs> get like, quickly. yeah, right, like super quickly. Um, but I like that we actually get like a big battle again. But it's also it's a big battle, but it's a small battle. It's the storming of like the parliament and them holding out, and then the guys dropping behind the uh main neo-sapien force so i thought that was like it was really cool to kind of get back to like something that felt big you know yeah it's nice when there's like plus there's like a personal story to the battle it's not yeah. just liberation and fighting but there's some sort of a there's more meaning out of it which i think is awesome yeah um, exactly can we talk but, about laser guns for a second <laughs> yes <laughs> for the rest of the day um how do, how do laser guns are they supposed to work? Is has there ever been in any cartoon an explanation of that? Do they just recharge forever? Do they have like a set amount of bullets? Like a well, they recharge until it's convenient for them not to have ammo. Yeah, it's it's funny because like the correlation between plot and ammo levels and media, it's like a direct you know like you know nice. It's like a good old hockey stick. Um, as soon as the, uh, you know, I guess it's going down, but as soon as the uh, plot gets important, the ammo gets low, uh, for, for dramatic tension. But, but yeah, it, it's, it's kind of crazy cause it, it's one of these things where we generally know how an E-frame works. We know this, but like the laser guns kind of have ammo, but they kind of don't. And are there, are they laser guns or is that just like the way to animate them? I, I don't know. It's weird. Well, I think there's this thing that happens a lot, which, you know, which is like part of the reasons I think I didn't love the Beastie Boys was because there was no real sense of like physics to like how they, (laughs) they'd get shot 10 times and then they'd, you know, get right back up. And then this one, it seemed like that they would get shot and it was effective, you know, because there's then otherwise there's no way that that battle should have been lost by the Neo-Sapiens. Um, do you remember you ever watched G.I. Joe obviously probably you have I did I, it's been a while but yeah I did do you remember they used to have the bats which were like uh, the cyborg guys like they were like robot soldiers that Cobra would use um, not really but the, well, so basically what they were is like a really basic robot they'd walk forward they'd just get mowed down en masse but that was like the big thing they kind of had the zombie thing where it was like they were super easy to kill um 
the monster, but there were a ton of them, right? So it makes sense. Easy to kill lots of them. The monster men are impossible to kill and there are millions of them. So it's like, I feel like you got to pick one or the other. You can have either something that's super hard to kill and there are like five of them or easy to kill and there's a million. And the monster men kind of, like you said, they'd be more effective if there were fewer of them and they were more established, like, you know, how to kill them. Um, yeah, they're just, I just find this thing fascinating with like, um, you know, like if the beast is charging at you and you're shooting at it and there's, you know, this happens in like all sorts of movies and horror movies and thrillers and stuff where it's like, it's like, you know, you'll see somebody unload an entire like clip of a gun into this, the beast that just runs at them and kills them and you're, but because it's like an extra or like a, you know, a red shirt, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it causes no damage, but when the hero does it, the hero actually causes damage to the creature. Oh yeah, you know it's usually it's usually like down a hallway. You're like looking <laughs> down, you just see it down a hallway. This guy, poor guy, shooting the beast as it attacks him, and mauls him, and kills him. Hey, hallways are scary, man. Um, we're running a little long, but who's your MVP for this episode? Um, you know, I never think about who my MVP is before we talk about oh, me the episode. Either. I literally just right now I'm thinking about it. Um, that's why I usually, usually go last. That's <laughs> <laughs> really, that's funny. Um, I will say I will give it, uh, number one to Napier for, uh, coming back and putting his life on the line and saving everybody. He didn't have to. Um, but he was personally came back. Uh, number two, I would give it to uh, Maggie Weston for ripping the uh, cockpit out of her E-frame. That was cool. Nice. I'm going to give mine to uh, to Shiva's assistant, who I forget if... I don't think we know his name, but maybe we might. He's a Neo-Mega. Yeah, well, that's the thing. He kind of he looks like a Neo-Mega, but he also kind of doesn't because he's been working like, out he's looking he's been like lifting. yeah <laughs> he's totally yoked um just because every time there's something that's weird he comments on it like you know it's like phaeton what are you doing here you know oh we can't that would cost dozens of lives and all that and plus he has his like gimmick pistol which is great and monologues a little bit so i don't know it was kind of great seeing having a neosapien villain that you know you can kill uh in the episode so you can he can be the villain he doesn't need to like keep living or be noble he can just be a dick so mm-hmm. you know that that's mine um i feel like he has some good lines in him too he does he does he's like he literally almost kills colleen o'reilly and then like stands over her being like your war is over all right we will live forever and like gets killed but uh yeah he's great um yeah i think you want to plug real quick um, well, it's getting colder, so go to Etsy.com and uh, check out Two Loopy Ladies and get yourself a crocheted hat, scarf, whatever you need. And uh, Two Five Films for all your wedding filming key needs. Yep, and I will say, uh, as always, go to Patreon.com slash Goals and you can support us for as little as $2 a month. You'll get extra content and episodes and things like that. And yeah, it'd be really great. It'd help us cover the cost of having a website so we can, you know, make gifts and all that stuff and also recording and publishing a podcast there are hidden costs merch it's not free yeah merch we can get merch someday if you show interest we can make shirts and stuff friend uh, of the so squad yeah friend of the squad member 
property of uh, the fleet or something like that. Squad Save America. (laughs) Squad Save America is not bad, actually. I like that (laughs) one. Uh, It's a very very, uh, interesting cross-section. We're looking for people who love Pod Save America and also Exo Squad goals. And somewhere in the middle of the Venn diagram are you, the listeners. (laughs) I feel like it's probably all of our listeners. Moving on to side business, anything you want to recommend? Um, I would recommend Stranger Things Volume 2. Yeah. Chapter 2, if you haven't seen it. I enjoyed yeah. it. The people at the website Collider did not enjoy it. Because Assholes. they're awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, made by a former alumni of our Chapman our attendees. School. Yeah, Duffer Chapman. Duffer Brothers. The Duffers. Fellow Chapman alumni. <laughs> but... <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, I'm, you know, we just started. Wa- we literally just started watching it last night, and I'm enjoying it so far. It's like it seems like season two. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're like literally just into the first episode, but like, mm-hmm. like, you know. But I'm enjoying it. It it, it hits a, uh, you know, it's like it's a it's like a good hearty soup in the middle of winter. It just hits that like that sweet spot right there. Um, yeah, no, that's a good way of describing it. It's like it just it's a nice nice world, nice characters. It's just like, I just don't, I don't know. The, it's, it's, r- r- the critique I read was like, it's too many episodes. Is, there's, the plot doesn't really begin till later on. And like, it doesn't, it's not political enough. I've, whatever. I like living in, if there's a show with a good world, I enjoy living in that world a little bit. And it's like, you know, especially for a, an 80s kid like me, it's just like, you know, it's, it's, it's nostalgia. Yeah. But it's also really well shot nostalgia. And it's, I mean, it's very, it's very well made. Oh yeah. Well, that's because of that Chapman pedigree. That's right. (laughs) Oh man. Let's wrap this thing up, son. Um, (laughs) If you've liked this show and I know you have, please visit our Patreon and yeah, we come out with a new episode every Saturday adjacent day. So usually around there, next one is episode 22, the fire ship or fire ship. Um, yeah, so become, be around for that. It's a big old party. You're invited. We're all invited to that fire ship. Um, please. (laughs) I don't know if I want to go to that party, Chris. You have no choice. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan's not here this week. We can't have you leaving too. No. Um, weirdly, you're going to the same wedding. Um, but yeah, you know, please, if you've liked the show, share it with your friends, leave a rating and review on iTunes. Uh, you can find this on any podcasting thing you listen to, most likely. I'm not sure. I need to check that. But I'd like to thank Eric Calderon for our intro and outro music. You can find this stuff at 331 at E-Rock on YouTube and all over the web. His stuff's really good. Check it out. Uh, you can reach out to us at Exosquadgoals on Twitter. Email us at Exosquadgoals at gmail.com. And yeah, we'd love to hear from you. We're pretty nice people, usually. Um, guys, last thoughts, Chris? <sighs> nah, <laughs> nah, don't. Nah, nah. Um, yeah, no. Thanks, thanks everybody. Continue, continue. Thanks for listening. We're so glad that you do. Uh, you are the reason we make this show, not because we just love talking about it. Um, I mean that it, that that helps helps too. Like yeah, we do yeah. love talking about it. <laughs> no, we do. I think we do this if nobody was listening, and and we we basically almost are. Um, <laughs> But if you're listening to this, if you're still listening, thank you. Um, please reach out to us. Uh, say hi. Yeah, for real. Um, 
Yes. And as always, for Exo Squad Goals, I'm Chris Mastalone. I'm Chris Ferentino. All right, already. Are there any heroes in this company, this two-person squad? No, sir. Good. Then let's jump. And next time, fish police. No. <laughs> fish police. Someone's got a fill. Someone's got a police. The deep blue sea. Oh my god, the, the blue line, the blue sea. It just writes itself. The thin blue sea. Yeah. Mackerel Morris. No. Um. Mac Errol Morris making the thin blue line or whatever it was. I like it. <laughs> it's a stretch. But. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think that's as good a place as any. <laughs> <laughs>